This episode is brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is the number one tool for all podcasters. You can record high fidelity audio between remote locations and get studio quality sound. Go to Zencaster.com and use coupon code that entertains for 20% off for three months or 20% off an annual plan. Welcome to this week's edition of Everything is Awesome. I am your host, Kev, and this is the show where we sit down and talk to awesome people about awesome things. And it has been a hot minute since I've done one of these. Uh, As I inch closer and take a couple steps forward to get caught up, uh, it seems like I get knocked down and get pushed back a few more steps than I want it to be. Uh, But... Uh, we have a plan in place. Exciting news! Exciting news. Not necessarily for everything is awesome, but for the entire That's Entertainment Podcast network that this podcast is part of. Uh, the Ladies Who Rant is coming back. Uh, by the time you listen to this, um, it's either already out or it will be uh, coming out in a day or two. Uh, and if you hear some banging and clanging and clicking and keys in the background, that's because uh, I'm doing one of these mobile shows, guys. But you know what? Last time we did one of these mobile shows on the uh, on the or mobile intros, it was on the Zoom, and it, and it sounded pretty good. So we're going to go with it again. Uh, but the ladies who ran is coming back. Uh, I'm actually going to be working on that episode today. Um, and while I was uh, also, you know, kind of in the pre-production of uh, In Character with Kevin Gallagher, another interview show that takes place in the multiverse. Uh, I'm also uh, in pre-pre-production of um, my first actual play, or maybe, I mean, I guess In Character is like actual play adjacent, and I guess single player, I guess it's technically actual play. It's going to be, it's like a world I guess like the the pitches, and I want to work on this pitch, but the way the podcast feels like it's going to be in my pre pre production is it's going to be like a world building, um, single player, uh, role playing game experience. Uh, it's going to be showcased. It's, single player is going to be a show that showcases uh, single player role playing games for for when you're you're in the mood to play and you can't. Uh, get a group together for whatever reason, even if it's, you know, you can't get a friend over, but it's 3 a.m. and you're just like, you know, I'm jonesing for some role-playing action. I don't want to play Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest or something like that. I want to go old school. And so we're going to explore single-player options. We're going to explore single-player tools that allow you to work on your character when you're not at the table. We're going to explore the idea of hacking games that allow you to do more single play stuff. So that's what single player is going to be. I'm in, in pre pre production on that. That that I'm hoping to start up over the summer, I guess. While in character is actually probably within the next couple of weeks. I got to look at my timeline here. But by right when kind of the stars align and everything is awesome is caught up, we're going to be, begin like production on in character. Uh, as of now, uh, and I'm not going to reveal who the partner is, but we're partnering up with another network. 
uh, to help bring that show to life uh, where I'm going to record it and they're going to edit it and we're going to showcase it together. Um, so I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. Uh, so In Character is coming up. Uh, and then we have another podcast that um, we actually are, by the time you listen to this, is probably going to be debuted uh, the Monday or Tuesday before Avengers Endgame comes out, uh, like April 22nd, I believe. Uh, and it's um, the one of the hosts from The Ladies Who Rant, uh, Ami, she uh, does this like YouTube kind of like adventure um, show. Uh, adventure show sounds... That makes it sound like uh, it's like a scripted. It's like her and her one of her best friends, uh, Mal uh, Mallory. They uh, go on little adventures and they record them and whatnot. And um, that's like her. So Mimi and Mal is the name of the podcast, uh, and it's going to be like another geeky kind of nerd culture uh, podcast just from the point of view of uh, a couple of ladies instead of a couple of dudes like you normally hear. So it's going to be kind of like a unique voice uh, that we don't get to hear. Too. I mean, we're hearing a, we're hearing more of it. We're hearing more females, more women come to the table uh, to talk about, uh, you know, nerdy things and um, be part of that culture that has been dominated by white dudes like myself. Uh, so I'm pretty excited to be, um, part of bringing that podcast to life because it's just, it's, it's content that I love brought to you by a voice and voices that you're not used to. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, with that all being said, let's get to this week's show. This week's guest, uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna put it on front street. Blaine Martin, uh, from uh, well, formerly of the All Ports Open Podcast Network, he hosts the shows uh, Refugees of Esmeralda. He also hosts You Are Not Alone. I was a guest on that. That's going to be coming out in a couple months, I believe, my episode. But uh, we're sitting down, we're chatting. This was recorded pre festival, pre uh, awesome Headstrong Comedy Festival. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um, his shows and, and all, we're, we're going to talk role-playing games. We're going to talk cards, all that fun stuff. Uh, I'll be back uh, probably for at least the end of the show as I usually am, if not the mid roll, uh, to talk about other things. I'm not hundred percent sure, but please listen to my conversation with Mr. Blaine Martin right here on everything is awesome on awesomepodcast.com and that entertains.com slash network. Yeah. I usually end up redoing it in post, but, uh, uh, it helps me get in the the hosting headspace. No, I t- I get that. I used to be. Uh, the, I mean, the first year of the show, uh, maybe even the first two years of the show, uh, I would. Um, I, it was the first year. I would very much <clears throat> do the welcome to this week's edition of Everything Is Awesome right here with the with the guest on the uh, on the I don't want to say phone, but you know on the mic with me. And I might I I tend to still do that within. Uh, person interviews um, but even I do s- so few of those and when I do they're usually with my my buddy who is just my my co-host when we do live shows that uh, I only do it because like I'm not gonna cut a pre-intro on on someone that I talk to at least four times a year on on the podcast yeah uh, so <clears throat> yeah it's it's very interesting the the different ways um, that a i've i very purposely now every anniversary change a little something with my show but like just to keep it fresh for me but it's interesting to see how everyone 
does their own show and and i try to i I sometimes steal little bits and pieces from everybody here and there yeah i definitely think the more the more you branch out in the podcast world uh and the more you see things done well um it certainly helps because everyone has their own little little things um that help them yeah well and so i think what's interesting though like is what i guess even because you uh, pretty exclusively i don't even want to say exclusively because we just did an interview on your podcast Uh, so you because you do a mix of interview and actual play in your various podcasts right yeah so um most like most of what i do is actual play but the and not even that because uh pdp 10 is weekly too and pdp 10 is either josh and i uh, sitting around talking about some random topic in gaming uh, or uh, one of us interviewing someone um, usually related to games. Like I've done, I interviewed Jeff uh, for his Kickstarter. Uh, I interviewed Brie Larson not too long ago about their Kickstarter. Um, so it, it, for the most part, it's when people have uh, gaming related Kickstarters. So uh, for my audience, let's very specifically say it's it's not the uh, the Captain Marvel Brie Larson. Uh, no, different Brie Larson. Uh, Brie Larson game designer. Uh, they designed a game called Turn. That's a really cool like pastoral shape changer game where you play uh, shape changers in a very small town where you're trying to keep this like the fact that you're a werewolf secret. In a in a setting where it's very hard to keep secrets. Yeah, I remember seeing that Kickstarter, and it was just unfortunately Jeff's Kickstarter was like the last one I uh, budgeted for myself for the 2018 year, so I was unable to to uh, pledge to uh, turn. But I, I I wanted to. I I almost uh, broke my rule and and was gonna uh, back it. I just I couldn't bring myself to. I'll buy it. Uh, if if the option's available to buy it retail, I'm definitely gonna buy it retail. Yeah, it retail. will. Uh, it funded uh, with, I think, all of its stretch goals, um, okay. which are a bunch of different people offering like different kinds of settings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah the the back half of 2018 was a rough Kickstarter time for me because there were just there were like five or six games, only two of which I was aware of. <laughs> uh, that yeah. went to Kickstarter, and I was like, oh, I need to give my money to all of these people. Yeah, there. I oftentimes uh, there will be either James D'Amato from One Shot or or Jeff from uh, Party of One will uh, plug something on uh, or retweet something. Simply retweet something on uh, Kicks or on Twitter for um, an a- an actual play, not an actual play, a role playing game uh, Kickstarter that uh, I usually. Like I, I think I only backed four things last year. I think I was very conscious on what I was backing, but that doesn't sound right because I definitely backed a lot. I backed. I don't. I don't know what I backed, but I, I in 2019 I'm expecting a lot of goodies. That's all I know. Yeah, yeah. I have. Uh, I found out. I don't know who shared it, but someone shared a game called um, "Something Is Wrong Here." Mm-hmm. by uh, Kira McGran, who uh, was on Party of One to play uh their other game uh a cozy den okay okay um but you are not alone was billed as uh 
basically a David Lynch role playing game. Hmm. And I have I David Lynch is my favorite filmmaker gotcha. at this point in my life. And so the second I saw it, I was like, "Yes, take my money, just have it." Uh, and I I got in on that one in like I think there were like eight hours left, and it had completely flown under my radar. Uh, that's kind of how I was like with, uh, God, what I think it's called frozen from hell. Uh, it's, um, the, uh, these, this guy or this group of people found the original manuscript to the short story that inspired the thing. Oh yes. Uh, mm. I'm blanking on the name. I was just talking to someone about this cause I have a, I have a lot of friends who rank the thing as among their favorite movies. Yes, uh, myself included. Yeah, I, I, that's a movie that for the I I saw for the very first time in 2017. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I, I, hell, in 2018 was the first time I ever saw the movie Halloween, the original Halloween. Oh, you are you're just <clears throat> a, a a brand new babe when it comes to the brilliance of John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. Uh, for being such a horror fan that I am, I, I'm more of a modern horror fan. Like Scream, uh, the original Scream is what brought me into horror. Uh, oh, I love that movie so much. It is still, I think, even after watching like The Thing and Halloween, um, I still think Scream is my favorite Halloween movie <clears throat> and horror movie. Um, but I, I can, I, I get why. Uh, most people would rank the thing and and Halloween much higher uh, than than Scream. It, just for me, it's 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 probably a lot of nostalgia for me as well. Oh, uh, I certainly and, I certainly understand that, and I would say Scream's probably in my top ten. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I have that like love, and I, like we're basically the same age. Um, yeah. and Scream coming out was so formative, and I Matthew Lillard, I absolutely mm-hmm. love. Yes, yeah, same. Um, it, it is I, when I did this show called the Zomcast. Um, we we uh, during breaks from The Walking Dead, we would do um, either uh, reviews of movies that the other host didn't see. So we would both commit to watch uh, like the thing. That's why I watched the thing, um, <clears throat> and 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 fell in love with that. But we would do, also do top ten lists of like childhood horror and all time horror and modern horror and blah blah blah. blah. And um, for me, uh, Scream was uh, number one on all of those lists. And and I say that as like, I'm probably a bigger fan of the Evil Dead movies than I am of Scream. But um, Scream is just so well made. And um, I definitely watching Halloween for the first time this year, I 100% see the influence it had on a lot of movies, very specifically uh scream like scream feels like it was you know it, it's it's just it's so such a good movie i appreciate scream even more now after seeing halloween yeah and halloween i mean launched kind of the iconic slasher thing um and then scream i mean, one of one, one of the only bad things i could possibly say about scream is scream launched the like 90s slasher <laughs> movement which was not anywhere near as good as the 80s slasher movement uh, in I, my opinion, personally, at least, I liked. Uh, see, I don't know. I can't even really like. I, I, I would say the two franchises I saw from the '90s um, is Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer, and I enjoyed both of those. I love the first f- films in both of those series. Uh, 
And I mean, the same could be said of Halloween because Halloween took a pretty big nosedive uh, with Season of the Witch. But mm -hmm. uh, but like af Scream, like Scream 2 and Scream 3 kind of held up. Uh, the I know what you did last summer franchise. I think like the the first one is really the only one I liked. Yes, I'll agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched the second one, and I would probably watch it again, um, only because I I can't tell you anything about the sequel other than it's you know I still know what you did last summer, uh, and I, but that's all. I I just remember the title and that uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I also really liked that movie because I was a big Jennifer Love Hewitt fan at that age. Um, I think most guys were. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so so that's that was like the primary reason for seeing those movies. But um, the first one I thought, I think it had, I mean, it, if I had to guess, it, it's, it probably wasn't on my list. And if it was, it was only on my list, my list because at the time I didn't have movies like The Thing or Halloween on it to, to bump it off. Um, I also watched The Shining for the first time this year in 2018. Oh, wow. Uh, which honestly uh, is, I mean, I, I get why people love that movie. I could take or leave that movie. It was way too long, uh, in my opinion. Um, and it doesn't hold up in 2018, now 2019, the way that Halloween does. And I, I say that, yeah. um, I say that meaning like you could, you could watch Halloween. You could make a shot for shot remake, a, a line for line remake of Halloween. And it would probably pass in 20 in, in 2018 slash 19, the shining. Oh my God. I don't know what you're supposed to like about the main character because he's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, it's uh, I, so I loved the shining as a kid. I still like, I respect the hell out of the shining. I respect Kubrick as a director a whole lot. Like yeah. from a technical aspect, the shining is uh, the, like, it does so many amazing things with like the use of sound to create horror. Yes. yes. Uh, but I'm also a huge Stephen King fan. And once I read the novel, mm. uh, it changed so much for me about that movie because it like it is a fine horror movie it is a god awful terrible adaptation of that book okay, and a, okay. a, a big part of the problem is the character of jack torrance where like in the book he's this like beautiful like this flawed but great father who has this like slow decline into madness and when you watch that movie there is no decline into madness Jack yeah. Nicholson is just creepy and awful from the beginning. Yeah. And so you don't have this like counterpoint of like seeing him as a good father to then watch him decline and become this monster. Um, mm -hmm. And the ending is just, it, it, it is, it does not hold up. Um, the whole hedge maze thing is just long and convoluted and kind of silly. But see, honestly, like that part didn't bother me as much as like just I don't know. There's, it just felt really, really long. And and I learned, uh, or, or I guess I realized this year that that might just be a Kubrick thing, uh, because I I definitely seen a Clockwork Orange, but I can't really remember anything about it because I probably watched it and, and was getting drunk at the time. But this year was the year that, or 2018 was the year that 
they uh, released 2001 in the theaters. Yes. And I was like, okay, this is a movie everyone says is like the greatest movie ever made. So I'm going to go watch this movie in the theater. And I made the mistake of seeing like the late night showing in IMAX oh, when God. I was tired. Um, and I fell asleep during it, woke up with the lights on. And I was like, all right, guess the movie's over. And I walk out and I look at the time. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to get out of here for like another hour and a half or something like that. Get home and like it was like, just the intermission. Yeah, and I was like, "What kind of fucking movie has an intermission in 2018?" Cut that shit! Like, in my opinion, you can edit the intermission out. Like, I will, I I will sit through a movie uh, with no intermission. But that that movie just seemed like, and and listen, I get that people love this movie, but the f- opening sequence of that movie is way too long about oh God, the, it is. about a bunch of monkeys like looking at this big black monolith like yeah i do i really like that movie uh and part of it was like i watched it i tried to watch it a few times when i was younger uh when i first started really getting into kubrick uh and i could not like i just i could not and then i started doing drugs in college (laughs) uh and drugs make that movie uh significantly better well i also think that at least maybe that movie specifically, but maybe even uh, Kubrick in general. Um, I think you have to be a real fan of film uh, to 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 really enjoy those movies. And and I whereas I love film, I, I love watching movies. Um, I would love to find time uh, and energy and and probably even I guess money would be helpful to to film my own stuff. Um, I am way more of a uh, popcorn movie fan. Like I like if you look at my top ten list from 2018. Now my it's the first year I've been able to like confidently write one of those because of things like Movie Pass and AMC's A list. I, I I saw way more movies than I've ever seen in one year because of that. Um, but my my top ten list that I'm in the process of writing and and, and getting ready to publish is a lot of comic book superhero movies. Um, but in 2018, we also had a lot of good comic book superhero movies. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good year. Um, and those, like, those are the ten types of movies that I tend to see in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Cause those are the types of movies that like, I, I really do feel like you lose something sitting in your living room, watching it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a Kubrick film, you're not like it's, it, 2001 is a rare exception where like that film is so visually interesting that seeing it on the IMAX was amazing, but like the shining, you can watch that in your living room and you don't lose anything from it. But like any of the Marvel movies, you need to see that on a big screen to like really get it. I I happen to agree. I know uh, some people who would disagree with with Marvel is actually better suited for watching it on Netflix and streaming it at home um, because the and I understand that that mindset. uh, But in the world of where I now get to see three movies a week uh, for twenty dollars a month, I'm okay. I want to see all the Marvel movies in theater. But like it's almost episodic in nature now, the way the Marvel movies are made. Yeah. So so they almost fit better at a home viewing. Um, yeah, if you want to watch it, it, I get like I could see that. Um, and like certainly like the Netflix Marvel series, mm-hmm. uh, they're telling very different stories than the movies are telling. And mm-hmm. like that, I think 
like going to see Daredevil in the theater wouldn't do anything different than seeing it streaming it through Netflix. See, I, I honestly would love to see at least season one of Daredevil uh, on the big screen. Um, but I'd rather watch everything on the big screen. I'm just, I, I love the theater going experience and I'm, and as, as crappy as movie pass got near the, the end of my run with it, uh, which is probably near the run near the end of its actual run uh, for everybody. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it, it, showed everyone how uh to go see movies again and like you know and, and it, without them amc wouldn't have created their a-list and even though it's going to go up uh in price uh at some point um it's not going to go up by much and i'm i'm more than what like you still need to see two movies a month uh on amc's a-list to, to for it to cover that 20 i think it's going to end up being about 24 dollars a month 23 dollars a month something like that uh here in pennsylvania and I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm okay yeah, with that. Yeah, that's really money. not a bad price, uh, and especially with AMC do- getting rid of a lot of their AMC Classic theaters this year. Yeah. Because, um, like, AMC Classic is awesome because you can go see a movie, uh, like, for five bucks most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, like you said, I think we forgot how to go see movies because movies became so expensive and mm-hmm. such an ordeal where, like, even if you're just going by yourself, if you want the popcorn and the soda, which I, I mean, I do, I'm a chubby kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes like a $30 excursion to go see a movie, which is not necessarily something that I can do more than once or twice a month if I'm lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and even before I had kids, I was lucky to see maybe 12 movies a year. Um, I probably saw movies between 12 and 20 movies a year before I had kids. And, and that's being very, very, very generous. Um, it was probably not even double digits if I, if I had to actually sit down and chronicle my movie going experience, um, with kids, uh, I didn't see more than five movies in theaters, uh, a, a month or a year, a year rather. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Mean, like when I was younger, I got I was very lucky that like in high school, a couple of my friends got jobs at the local movie theater, and then yeah. in college, I got a job at the local movie theater. So from like seventeen to twenty four, I saw a stupid number of movies in the theater because we didn't pay for them. Yeah, yeah, and I always like, I should have been the guy that had a job at a movie theater. I don't know why I never got that job, but. Uh, in 2018, I, I, I just, uh, wrote about these stats and, and, and I'll have it published hopefully this week, but, um, I want to say, I think I went, uh, in 2018, I saw, I think 68 movies, uh, which for me is a lot. Yeah. That's, uh, a, that's a good chunk of movies, but, and, and out of those 68 movies, cause some of them were on Netflix and part of like my Halloween watches and my Christmas watches and stuff. Um, I want to say 40 of them were in the, more than 40 were in the theater, but unique viewings was 40 movies that were released in 2018. Um, Some of them, like a handful, very small handful were actually Netflix movies versus theater movies. But for the most part, close to 40 movies were in the theater. Uh, And that's thanks to movie, uh, movie pass and a list. Uh, so like they changed the game when it comes to going to the movies. And to your point, uh, like I, since I was a, an adult, 
uh, very specifically an adult with kid, I never went to the concession stand, but now I do uh, because I have extra, like I'm not every, I pay that $20 a month. And, and uh, when I go to the movies, technically I feel like I'm going for free. So I have that extra income to put towards a popcorn and a, and a, and a soda and a, and a pretzel nugget or something like that. Yeah. And I like, I think that that's why so many movie theaters are like, Studios were against things like movie pass, but theaters were completely for it because statistically, like I learned this while working at a movie theater, a vast majority of the income of a movie theater comes from this concession stands. Oh, yeah. That's why yeah, the yeah. prices have gone up so much is because movie studios take a higher and higher percentage of ticket sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the only way for the theaters to actually make money is to overprice their concessions. So for like for something like movie pass where people now are less worried about ticket prices, um, they're more willing to spend money in the concession stand. So the theaters, of course, want something like movie pass because they don't really lose out on much because the 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 people getting hit are the movie studios. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and really uh, the movie studios aren't getting hit on that because even with AMC a list, I'm I'm. When I check out, it's the normal checkout process. Uh, And I imagine that AMC is taking that ticket that sold and they're reporting that to the movie studios because I I don't know how they don't legally, you know? Yeah, because I know that's how I didn't ever join uh, MoviePass, but I know how that's that's how MoviePass worked where like they gave you a credit card and when you signed up for the movie you were going to, they put the cost of the ticket on there. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, the studios couldn't really bitch because they were getting, like, they did because they knew in the long run, like, they were the ones who would be getting screwed by this, um, potentially at least. Uh, yeah. But they couldn't bitch too much because they were getting the full cost of the movie. Yeah, yeah and and with, with AMC's A-list, I, I, I still don't know, like, it seems like a win-win for everybody except for maybe AMC, but... To me, what like the way it? Um, I, I was talking to my dad about it. Like, here's how it makes sense for AMC. Regardless of whether they sell tickets today or not, they have to ha- be open with those lights on. So they're paying for a lot of uh, services to be running, whether you go to see a movie or not. So if they're charging you twenty dollars a month versus uh, you going to the movies twice a month and paying $40 for those tickets. Like they're going to be open. So I don't think they're lo- like movie pass had no ways of, of making money because they weren't, they weren't, they just had no way to make money. Yeah. They, were, <laughs> like, they weren't part of the machine. So the money yeah. wasn't getting funneled back into them. Yeah. Whereas at least AMC, you know, they are, um, you know, so if I'm paying uh, $15 for a movie ticket at AMC through this A-list, I'm paying $0 when I actually purchase that ticket. Out of that that ticket that's $15, they have to report that to the, the studio. So maybe, you know, if it's uh, if it's the first week the movie's out, um, 90% of that, that ticket cost they have to owe to the the uh, studios, but there's a good chance that I'd say 90% of the people on a list, they're probably buying something from the concession stand. 75% of the time they go to the theaters. 
Yeah, um, and especially when you think about like like you said, the overhead costs. Like, if no one buys a ticket for a movie, you can skip running it. But if one person buys a ticket for a movie, uh, you have to then run that projector, which has the cost of both having uh, whoever's working as the projectionist keeping an eye on it, um, but also like all of the energy that comes with with running that projector at a much higher volume. Um, where like if you can get a couple more people in there with movie pass that are going to yeah. buy some concessions, uh, it's just it's better financial sense because you're not just running movies for a couple people. You're yeah. you're getting more people in there. Yeah, I, I whereas movie pass uh, is seemingly going to be a dead thing by the end of I think 2019. Um, it, it opened up, I think, a lot of possibilities, and AMC is is uh, a theater that jumps in on it. Like the only downfall to AMC versus uh, Movie Pass is that you can't go to any theater you want. You're very uh, much limited to the AMC brand. But for me, that's okay because I have both a Regal and an AMC near me. Uh, so while I kind of prefer my Regal theater. Um, I am not a fan of Movie Pass anymore, and I'd I'd rather. Uh, I, I'd rather go to the movies. Uh, you know, I usually, I, I average probably about five trips to the movie a month now, um, which is insane. Like that's insane. Yeah. to me. Yeah. I mean, that's, I go every couple of months if I'm lucky. I think I saw four movies in the theater this past year. Yeah. It, it's, is if you can, um, if you can swing the $20 a month uh, or whatever's going to end up being with, with AMC list, like to me, it's just so worth it, especially if you're a fan of movies, because it, it's you just have to go twice in one month and, and it pays for it. So like you see, you see 24 movies a year, however you wrap your head around that uh, you're, you're going to win as far as like you, the value of your, your $20 investment. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it is definitely something that I, I'm just, I'm, I guess I should say I'm very lucky that I have the disposable income because I don't have disposable income to see more than, one movie a month, really, maybe two movies a month. I could see if I really wanted to, uh, but but I have the disposable income to pay twenty dollars a month and and go to the movies up to three times a week now. So um, it, it's a game changer, I think, for movie goers at least, if not the whole movie industry. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what that turns into because I'm sure. Regal, like if AMC shows that it's doing good for their business, then I'm sure Regal will be close behind. And even like smaller movie chains, like studio movie grill, which we have, that's our closest theater here in Drexel Hill. Uh, and that's one of those like crazy, like you can order a dinner and sit down yeah, and drink a beer yeah. uh, while watching your movie, which is a, a, also another game changer where I like yeah. the fact that I can go and have dinner and a drink and watch a movie is pretty awesome. The, 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 my local AMC in, well, you're a Bucks County kid, so you know Nishamini Mall. So, oh, yeah. so that AMC, the, the first time I went there, which was, I guess, I think I was still on Movie Pass. My fiance and I wanted to go see a movie, and it just worked out where, like, the best time to go happened to be at AMC versus Regal, even though Regal is, uh, United Artists Theater uh, by Oxford Valley Mall is now all recliner seats. So you're never going to get a theater with a shitty seat. Um, but AMC had the better time or whatever. So we go and like, we walk in and we have a we have some time to kill. And I look and there's a bar there now. And I'm like, what the crap? Uh, I was like, 
you know, thank God this wasn't around when I was, you know, going to movies at 21 because I, because back then you had to stand in line for opening night theater and I would be just drinking the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it's an interesting, like the whole movie world has changed so much in the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it has to like, cause it's in, in the world of being able to watch anything you want pretty much whenever you want with, with streaming devices and, and streaming services and stuff like that. It's just so hard for a theater to operate, I think in today's um, day and age. And I, that's why I, I, I can't envision a world where no one wants to support something like AMCA list. I can see why movie pass was like destined to fail, but Something like AMC A list seems like they have a working model that that has been working for almost a year now. I think it's like six to nine months, um, and it's if it gets more butts in the theater, like I think that's what's important. Um, and and if 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 uh, if they can make money while they do it off concessions, like thank God because because I don't I do not want to see A list go away. A list I think is an important thing in order for for the theater experience to survive in 2019 and, and beyond. Yeah. Cause especially with like Netflix producing movies now, cause like even when like Netflix and Hulu first just started and they were like, okay, we're going to make TV shows. Then it wasn't like as big a hit to the theaters. Um, but now that they're like producing movies and releasing movies, uh, as exclusives, like it's becoming harder and harder for theaters to compete. And, and I think there's something kind of beautiful in the, about the American experience of going to a movie theater. Yeah. Uh, like it started in the fifties with drive-ins, uh, but like going to a movie theater has become kind of an integral part of our society. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, I love the fact that I have been able to, now that my son's, uh, old enough to go to the movies and like really sit through them. Like my, we take my, we sometimes go as a family, but my daughter who is uh, four, she'll be five uh, in May, but my, my son will be seven uh, at the time of this recording in a few, in, in two weeks on the 16th. And um, he's like into movies now. And the fact that I was able to take him to go see a star Wars movie this year uh, to go see um, a couple animated films to go see possibly the, uh, what I think is the best film of 2018 with the new Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse film. Like uh, that is such like you, I I've watched a new hope with my son at home and that's a cool experience. That's really fun. That's the first time I watched a new hope was with my uncle uh, at home on, on VHS kids. Let's look it up, Google it. Um, and uh, like, that's a cool experience, but to sit in a theater and watch my son like see Star Wars on the big screen, um, and and experience it in the most pure way you can experience Star Wars, and that's as a child because he doesn't give a fuck who played Han Solo. All he cares about yeah. is that there's this cool ass hero on the screen who has some swagger, and um, I mean that's his Han Solo. Uh, you know, who, who this kid is his Han Solo. He doesn't care that it's not Harrison Ford. All he cares about is the cool space movie that he's watching in front of him. And, and to see him watch that on the big screen is, is something that, you know, I hope never goes away. Yeah. That is pure magic right yeah, there. Yeah. It, it's, it's, 
for that to go away, uh, while I think I personally, you know, losing a blockbuster and uh, video rental stores, I think is a big hit to that kind of feeling as well as a, as a family unit going to the store and running a movie for a family movie night. Like that's, I think, an important part of something that is missing from from today's world. Um, it's it's you can't lose the the theater experience. That is something that um, while is very much a first world problem to be talking about losing. Uh, it, it would be a sad day, I think, for me at least, and for a lot of people of our generation to say, "Yep, theaters are gone. You can't watch movies anywhere but your home now." Yeah, I think there's a, like there's a tactileness that we're like. I love the internet, uh, and if the internet goes out, I have like massive freakouts. <laughs> but like, I I feel like there's a, a tactileness that we're losing to modern technology like i and i have a kindle e-reader around here somewhere uh but i still prefer buying real books to read because Same. like i i like the feeling of having a book in my hand yep yeah um, I, I i um recently joined the bucks county library and uh was like it's it, it has blown my mind like what i can get away with by being a member of the library and like just having a, a a, a book in my hand again and and um yeah i love i like that's another resource kids like go to get a library card go to the library like i know you have your e-readers but yeah go read go, some books yeah. you can even digitize like they do have i have a, a library app from my local library on my phone so like if you're really jonesing for the internet hit you can download an ebook or an audio book through your your phone yeah, it's just like standing in. I spent so much time as a kid in the library, and like my like the Quaker Town Library had VHS tapes and stuff like that. I would mm-hmm. constantly rent uh, the Untouchables with Kevin Costner uh, and old Doctor Who episodes, and just watch them over and over again. Yeah, yeah. The I mean, it's it, almost the same thing. You got books, you have DVDs, you have video games at the library now. Uh, I, I downloaded this app called Hoopla, which, um, looks syncs to your library. So if like they have a deal with Bucks County library where you can get 10, 10 things from them a month. So I just, you can download music from them and, and run it for like two weeks at a time, uh, digitally, um, which is, you know, that's just like great because like, I'm not a big music guy, but I want to listen to the greatest showman soundtrack sometimes. Yeah, um, just- and I, and I, and I don't want to drop money on music, but I also am not really in the age of pirating anymore. So I, I well, I'm just not going to listen to it. No, I, I can go to the library or go to the digital library and get it. Yeah, it is. A, it's an amazing resource that I like recently rediscovered. Yeah. Right. Like I didn't go to the library a lot as a kid. I, I went, you know, frequently enough, probably very specifically in the summer, but I, one of my most popular tweets in 2018 happened like a few mo- a few months ago, like maybe in uh, like early November, late October, where I tweeted about the library and the Supla thing, and like I, it blew up. That tweet blew up for me, which wasn't a huge blow up, but it blew up to like a lot of like you know double digit likes and and like you know like people are like yeah, like the library is awesome. And, like it's it's such a great thing to rediscover in in 2018, 2019. Yeah, I really love, uh, so media out here in Delco, 
uh, they do a, a library book sale twice a year and like people donate and then all of the money they raise goes to like bettering the library. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have on the third day of the book sale is $5 bag day. Yeah. And yeah. they just give you bags and you go through and fill them. And I've ended up with so many books that I'm like, I will probably never read this, but like, I just got a b- bag of books for $5. So yeah. like, yeah. If I don't read it, I spent like 10 cents on this book. I'm okay with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I uh, I am quite honestly okay with like living in a world where I, I, I don't necessarily have to ever buy a book again uh, because I, I'll just go to the library and there's there might be a few books that I read. I'm like, you know what? This is worth like my dollar to buy. But yeah, rediscovering the library uh, as a 34-year-old adult was like such a weird like eye-opening experience like i know about this resource yeah this has been here the whole time yeah i used it as a kid but like i should really use it now it's just Uh, waiting for me yeah all right uh now that we've uh we've we've uh talked about literally nothing for the first 38 minutes of this show let's get into uh what we do here on everything we we have a we have a tendency to do this apparently when we are on a podcast together that's all right that's uh yeah i don't know when this is airing in in conjunction with uh the my guest spot on your show but um let's talk let's talk about that uh you are a, a podcaster as well uh who uh so so what's your role um with all ports open the all ports open network welcome to the mid-roll super friends uh this is something new that we're going to be starting to introduce into the everything is awesome podcast don't know that i'm going to be doing it every week just when we have something important to say uh and whatnot and uh we're also going to be introducing some commercials uh for our other network shows in in mid-rolls and whatnot um so and and part of the reason we're doing this is because we're moving um, at some point these shows are going to move back to having uh, live intros where I'm sitting down with my guests and I go welcome to this week's edition blah, 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 and introduce the guests live while they're on the phone or on the microphones with me or whatever it is um, and and it's going that's going to take away the time that I normally spend in the beginning of the show chatting with you with that being said I'm also looking to reduce the show time so that we have more guest time. Uh, and because my intros tend to be six to ten minutes long, um, the mid-roll is going to force me to keep it to, you know, a, a nice, short, concise, you know, three to five minutes tops um, is what I'm thinking, plus the 30-second uh, commercial for one of our network shows. Uh, so... Uh, I want you guys to get used to the mid-roll, first and foremost. Also, I want to, um, because I forget where in the show that it's now going to be updated in, but I want to remind everybody that we've switched up our Patreon. The Patreon used to be a That's Entertainment Podcast Network Patreon. Now, it's for me. Um, and But... but that doesn't mean that the money is solely going to me. That means, hey, first and foremost, the money still has to cover costs for this podcasting network that I'm running. From Everything is Awesome to uh, In Character, Single Player, to the shows that I run, to the shows that I produce, like The Ladies Who Rant and uh, Mimi and Mal and uh bullies keep out they're all shows that are in-house network shows and then even to a smaller degree like to help cover costs that are incurred for me having to do a little bit of work for victims and villains to have them syndicated to our show so all that stuff needs you know cost time and money and we would like to start getting reimbursed for that as a production company so 
Uh, it's now patreon.com slash that nerdy Kev. Uh, and uh, I, for April, you know, I got to shout out our t- two of our patrons. We got uh, our two of our patrons, Mr. Mike D'Angelo. And, uh, you know, I believe it's uh, Priest Love is the technical uh, person who's backing us. But uh, uh, Mr. Ben Wallace, thank you guys for your support uh, and your continued support. Uh, and, and the money that we get goes a long way in helping uh, cover costs, like supporting other independent artists is one of the, like, that's right now, our two big costs are hosting fees and supporting independent artists. Uh, it costs roughly about, uh, I believe, like $25 a month for hosting and about $22 a month uh, for us supporting uh, local artists. So... Uh, the money that we get from the from from Patreon helps cover that, and in the long run, I would love it to help support us making more con appearances. I very recently went to the Phil- Great Philadelphia Comic Con and uh, ran panels there and uh, did some press there. And while the cost for doing that kind of stuff is pretty pretty uh, low. Um, when especially when it's in my neck of the woods, we'd like to expand what we do at these cons. So whether it's going to further cons that cost money to travel, whether it's staying at our local cons but getting a table to just kind of hang out with the fans and talk to people as they come up to the table and show off some stuff that we have going on and to have guests come to our table and have like a one-on-one like quick 10 to 15 minute conversation or to interact with the guests or whatever it might be. We want to start doing more stuff at cons. I've had a blast doing panels. This is our second year going into panels. We ran three at the Great Philadelphia Comic Con and uh, I've had a blast. It's, it's been so much fun. So uh, please uh, consider going to patreon.com slash that nerdy Kev if you enjoy any of the things that I we do that we're involved that i'm involved with and that doesn't mean just everything is awesome uh that's you know the entire that's entertainment podcast network the ladies who rant i help edit that uh, i publish it uh the mimi and mal podcast i'm going to end up helping edit it and publishing it the uh bullies keep out i publish that podcast uh and victims and villains we syndicate and while that has the least amount of work in a way it also it's still i still create images for that i still format uh, a new post on our website for that because what gets pulled over, synced over, isn't 100%. So there's, uh, for every podcast that is on our network, there's a minimum of one hour of work that goes into it for something like Victims and Villains uh, for each and every episode. And then for something like uh, Bullies Keep Out and The Ladies Who Rant and stuff like that, it can get up to maybe two to three hours worth of work per podcast. And then everything is awesome. And I'm sure the other shows that I'm going to be launching with me hosting, they're all going to take even more time uh so any help that you have would be greatly appreciated at patreon.com slash that nerdy kev we also have a ko-fi ko-fi.com slash that nerdy kev where you can buy me a coffee all that stuff just helps support me in very very little ways and something that we try to stress is that you don't have to think that you have to throw five to ten to fifteen to twenty dollars at us every month like that's not what we're asking for anything you can do is a huge support a dollar to a month is very very little uh for you uh, hopefully and um, but it means the world to us because it just means we're a dollar closer to not having to cover something out of our own pockets. And that, I say, are the royal us, the royal we. That's every independent creator. Whether you want to support me or somebody else and you're questioning it because you're like, oh, man, I really can't afford that 5 to $10. 
listen, there's a reason that we offer the, I, I think we offer a $2 tier, but you know, I think you can pledge a dollar if you wanted to. There's a reason we play, we, we offer things that are that lows because we want everybody who's a fan of our work to be able to support us. So please find your favorite creators and, and support them if you can. And if you can't do that in a monetary way, share the work share tell people shout at the top of your lungs tell people about everything is awesome tell people about kevin gallagher who he hosts a bunch of podcasts and he also is a, a, a he's a the producer for a bunch of podcasts he's designing a, 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 a game now he's writing a book he's doing all this fun stuff that uh you're you know that, that he would like people to know about and he would like to share with the world and whatnot and, and, and word of mouth recommendations help with that. iTunes reviews for the podcast, whether it's Everything is Awesome, whether it's Bullies Keep Out, whether it's The Ladies Who Rant, whether it's another show that you listen to. Those five-star rating reviews on iTunes are like one of the biggest things that you can do. So if you have an iPhone or you have iTunes on your computer, uh, please subscribe and, and rate and review all your favorite podcasts, all the podcasts you listen to. Um, five-star rating reviews go a long way to help us. Uh, that, that's all I have for the, the, the mid-roll here, guys. Thank you so much for your support. I hope to uh, get more of you on board and because and, we post first looks. Well, we're going to be uh, – we're, we're, I'm in the middle of designing a game right now, so I'm about to uh, publish to Patreon probably in the next week or two, like a progress update uh, with, with, I think, the official title of the game that I'm going to reveal and, and maybe some of the, you know uh, – images of the the rules and stuff and uh patreon's the first place that i post that stuff to before i share it with the world and then and, and whatnot so uh if you support me great um uh, thank you so much if you can't i completely understand please 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 just share this show uh and everything that i do that you follow with people that you know and love and think that they're going to really enjoy it as well uh we're going to cut to a quick uh commercial break for the network and then we'll be back with my conversation with mr blaine martin so I am a co-founder um, of All Ports Open. All Ports Open was the brainchild of uh, myself, Ben Wallace, and uh, Dr. Joshua Wise. Uh, and we're nerds uh, who play a lot of games. And uh, we wanted an outlet to talk about that and to kind of start towards building a, an open and accepting community um, around games. So through All Ports Open, we have... Uh, we have Ben and Mel's podcast, Pod of Love, where they uh, they play relationship-based games and talk about relationships. Uh, Josh and Ben have um, No Avatars Allowed, which is a, a resurrection of uh, a podcast they did uh, in grad school together that's about video games and philosophy and theology. Um, and then I uh, co-host with Josh uh, PDP10, where we talk about mostly board games and role-playing games um, and different topics uh, and news in the gaming world. And then I am the producer on Refugees of Esmeralda, uh, which is a world-building actual play podcast. Uh, so, and before we get into some more details of the, some of these podcasts, what, uh, I'm always curious, like, what your podcasting uh, origin story is. Like, what was uh the podcast that you know got you into podcast as a as a fan as a listener and then what was if it was different what was the podcast that made you say i'm gonna i'm gonna do my own podcast like i want to i want to pick up a mic 
So I, the podcast that got me into podcasts uh, was Welcome to Night Vale. Okay. Uh, and I occasionally listened to some like story driven podcasts before, like The Moth, uh, where they tell stories. But Welcome to Night Vale is the first podcast that got me like into every week I'm going to listen. I'm going to catch up on the whole back catalog and then listen every week. And I say that now as someone who's like six months behind on Welcome to Night Vale. <laughs> uh, but at the time that I discovered it, uh, that was the podcast. I, I love horror. I mean, we've spent like 25 yeah. minutes talking about horror earlier. Uh, and I love David Lynch and his like small town horror of Twin Peaks. And so Welcome to Night Vale is just a natural like I started listening to it and immediately was like, yes, this is a story I want to hear. Um, and I think probably the podcast that made me want to start making podcasts, uh, was one shot. Oh, wow. um, okay. James D'Amato. I mean, it's, it's intimidating, um, to listen to him because he's such a good GM and yeah. such an amazing podcast personality. Uh, but I love that. I, I have hundreds of role-playing games mm-hmm. and I play so few of them, yeah, uh, yeah. because I have, you know, three different groups that play fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I love fifth edition D and D, but those groups, we don't really branch out. And yeah. so like one shot, I listened to it and I was like, this is a gate. Like, this is a podcast where every couple of weeks they switch games. And I'm so jealous because there are so many games I want to play. Um, so I think as far as like podcast origins of wanting to make a podcast, uh, one shot was the big one and adventure zone was one of the first actual play podcasts I got into, um, as well. Although that didn't necessarily, I listened to that for a while before starting a podcast. Mm. Uh, it didn't necessarily make me want to make one. Yeah. I, you know, the, the, one of the, uh, I, I guess like my, uh, bad, like, uh, guilty ad- admissions to like, listening to podcasts and very specifically actual play podcasts is I've never listened to the adventure zone. Like that's something that I've been meaning to get on. And, uh, I just, I, I, it's, uh, same, same reason as we were talking on, uh, your show where like, Oh man, do I take on, tell them Steve, Dave, because like, I have all these other things I haven't taken it on because I just have so many podcasts that I listen to. I just, I, I can't. Like I recently brought on Conan O'Brien's new podcast and I was like, I just, I don't, what am I doing? This is insane. Yeah. And when you like, when you look at a podcast, like even one shot now, but one shot's nice because it's small digestible pieces, Mm -hmm. but you look at a podcast like adventure zone and you're like, okay, well there's like almost a hundred episodes now. So like, if I want to start listening to it, that's a hundred episodes I have to listen to before it can be part of my weekly rotation. Yeah. Which, which I'm all for. I mean, I, I, um, I was introduced to the one shot podcast and campaign through Jeff Stormer when he was a guest on everything is awesome here. Um, and I started out with campaign, uh, because it was star Wars oriented and that had the most interest to me at the time. Um, and very specifically, I, I was listening to it, uh, when like everything that was going on with my uncle. So, um, it meant something to me too, because it was like, a way for me to escape reality for, for an hour or so at a time, um, but more if I was binging because I was catching up, uh, and also like still kind of keep me like with happy memories of my uncle, 
Um, and, and like campaign got me through like that awful year of 2016 where I, I watched my uncle die. Uh, and, and, um, that like, I love campaign and I love what James does with one shot. And, um, I would say like in the beginning, it was like between that and Jeff's show is what like said, made me say like, Oh man, I kind of want to do an actual play podcast. And I, and I've literally since 2016, like, which at the point I had been doing this show probably for almost a year. Like, uh, when I decided this, I was like, I, I want to do an actual play podcast. Um, now it's very much, I, I love what James does and I do want to do something where, where, what he does, where it's a little bit more produced and, and, um, for lack of a better term, professional, but, uh, that seems bad because all the Philadelphia podcasts that, that, uh, are in the actual play world that you, that you're part of are, are super professional sounding. Um, but I just know you guys don't get paid what he gets paid to podcast. Not that he gets paid a lot, mind you. Yeah. But, uh, and it is, I, I will say having now, like, I don't always edit PDP 10, but like, yeah editing talk podcasts versus editing actual play podcasts. It's so much easier. Like Josh, Josh, uh, who usually edits PDP 10 would be like, I don't like, it takes me like 20 minutes to edit an episode. And I'm like, I don't like, I have gotten it down to pretty much a science and it's at least an hour and a half to two hours. Like Mm -hmm. an hour and a half is we had a real clean play session and I have very little to do. Yeah. Uh, but like having to carry the narrative through and like keep table talk, but make sure that table talk doesn't interrupt like a major plot point. Uh, it just, it's so much work. Yeah. And, and that's been kind of like the, 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 what's kept me back from, from doing it. Um, but as like, I, I was, I want to say I began listening with like my actual play podcast where uh, party of one, uh, uh, and campaign like that's what I started with and and I've picked up a lot since then and I'm not if I listen to 10 uh, which is definitely not accurate but if I listen to 10 actual play podcasts nine of them are from uh, from Philadelphia probably like I, 90 85 to 90 percent of my actual play podcasts are Philadelphia based uh, which is insane uh, yeah that, we have a, a shocking actual play community in yeah in Philly which like we didn't uh, there there was this magic of like we didn't know any of that when we started yeah yeah i uh i i kind of like i knew of a quest for magic and steel and party of one i want to say i found heart points um and started listening to that and i think i tweeted about it and and it got i think that's how it got on jeff's radar because it was a very similar setup to him you know a, a two player yeah. podcast um and then i i had seen Around that time is like I saw a pot of love. I don't think I knew that it was Philadelphia based, um, and I honestly, I, I, I somehow Ben and I just started talking on Twitter, and that's how like I got like you, you guys got looped in into my into my daily or weekly listenings, and I'm still catching up on refugees uh, of Esmeralda, but um, it's yeah, you in the last six months, like I look at the Philadelphia based programs. Cause to me, they sound the more, more like um, the type of actual play that I would like to put out there. Uh, and like you guys all are like what I'm like, all right, this is how I, I, I want to start actual play podcasting because of 
these Philly actual, like look at the thirsty dice lineup on January 27th. And all those shows make me want to do a, a podcast similar to theirs. <clears throat> that really, it means a lot. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And I, like, I think we found our, our first, uh, the quiet year arc was, uh, a little rough, uh, because that was recorded on just one snowball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but from there, I think we learned pretty quickly. Uh, and I like, I like the balance that I, I have found that's like, it sounds good, but it's not super polished. Uh, mm. And I like I like the fact that it sounds like I wanted to try to keep some of the feeling of it being at a table mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and you know what? Um, Zach from Heart Points actually tweeted a really awesome thread that kind of speaks to that um, about how like actual play podcasting has been great, but it's also kind of I don't want to say hurting anything, but it's showing false uh, information about what role-playing games are, because that's a lot of what you hear um, isn't how it actually happens at the table. And, and that's just my best guess because honestly, like I, I'm a huge fan of role-playing games, but I honestly, I can't tell you the last time I sat down and played, it was probably on a podcast. It was probably mission accomplished. Uh, Yeah. And that's the, I mean, as a GM, I like I've been playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons for a disgustingly long amount of time, um, and like I learning to GM for a podcast, it was like learning to GM all over again um, because you have uh, you have to create story arcs, not only just the like overarching story that you're telling that unfolds over how many ever sessions. Uh, but like for each episode you produce, you need to have like a written arc, uh, like a television show does where there's like an introduction, there's rising action, there's a climax, there's the denouement and you need that in every episode. Um, so you're working in these like short little 45 minute arcs in addition to season arcs. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a very different way to think about running a game. Um, and it like it's fascinating to me and I love doing it because it is so different. It's a you know, very different kind of exercise for the GM muscles. Yeah. I, and I've never GM'd, which is something that's kind of scary because I, I I personally would love to be part of a D&D group only because like as much as I want to play a bunch of other uh role-playing games, I've never really given um a D campaign a, a fair shot uh where i've been at more than i think i've only been really at three to four sessions and we haven't played in over a year now at this point uh, i would love to be part of a regular group of DD. uh i would love to be it for for a podcast because i just you know if i'm going to be spending time um doing something I, I i would love to share that creative entertainment that that we're creating but um there's something about taking uh i like to have fun in my role-playing games uh I, I that's why i really love campaign like that to me and i know what what we're hearing on campaign isn't necessarily 100 percent what what's happening at the table but um the fun that's having that's being had at that table is is what i want to have when i sit down and play D uh and i i would love to like just kind of be uh like a like a a smug little uh 
charismatic thief or something uh like the tris valentine of D D. yeah uh, and that's like that's the fun and i think that's part of where like you have to work on the translation of games to to actual play is there's so much time spent rolling dice and interpreting dice rolls that don't make for interesting audio yeah uh and that is to like to zach's point I think very true that you aren't always getting the best representation of what a game is like because in the editing process, you have to make sure that it's entertaining audio in that like 15 minute side conversation about like, is that really what the rules mean? And like, is my 15 good enough? Um, Like you don't want that in the, it's just no one wants to listen to that. Yeah. 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 it is, yeah. It, it, it's a challenge. Like, that's why I would love to to. Like, I want to play more so, before I start telling stories. However, in 2019, I also plan on launching uh, two actual play podcasts. Uh, one for sure, uh, and, and potentially a second one. But both of them are going to be me running everything. And uh, it's it's. I know I'm going to go insane, but I'm trying to get everything else kind of caught up in, in in preparation for that as well. But uh, it's yeah i i would we're trying to get our group back together so that i can at least get playing in again i told my friend that who, who used to host and run the D groups i was like let's try to do it and like like let's try to schedule an extra hour so that like let's have an opening like hour of just free-flowing games like let's i like, like I, I bought um i bought and then we died uh okay I've heard that is really, we actually Ben bought that at PAX too. So yes, I haven't gotten to play it, but it's sitting on our game shelf. It's, it's sitting in my, in my bag actually right in front of me. And, and that's a game that I want to sit down and play. And, um, it seems like a real fun, like quick, um, just, you know, one shot game that we can play to kind of loosen up before we get into D and D and whatnot. Uh, yeah, also, and that's a really great way to to do it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not something I do, but I've I've mm-hmm. talked to people who do that. Yeah, uh, the Evil Hat just released a book called Improv for Gamers. Okay, uh, that is uh, lessons from like improv classes that help gamers, uh, which is also like it's something I think I want to start trying to incorporate more. I haven't picked it up yet, mm-hmm. um, but like the idea of doing a half an hour of improv activity before you actually start recording or at least start seriously playing, I think is a great way to get into that mindset. I, uh, and not necessarily for actual play stuff, but just, I think for podcasting in general, I, I badly want to start taking improv classes at, uh, there's numerous theaters in Philadelphia. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to do Fit, but like I do, I want to take all the classes that Fit has to offer. I want to go to Good Good Comedy. Uh, I want to go to um, uh, Comedy Sports. I want to take all the classes that Philadelphia has to offer, just because I think improv would be such a fun thing. And maybe I'll hate it. Maybe I yeah. will hate taking the class, but I would love to take a class and and for for uh, a year or whatever. However, I think they run for like six weeks or eight weeks or something like that. I would love to take like an eight week course of like improv one hundred and one at fit and um, just see what that's like. Cause improv seems like it's such a fun thing. And that's why I think I love a lot of actual play podcasts. Cause that's really, and role playing role playing games in general is just a form of role playing. Yeah. 
It really is. And I, James D'Amato and the whole crew out in Chicago really prove that. Like, you'll hear guests on One Shot constantly who are like, I've never played a role-playing game, but I've been doing improv for 15 years, and they're amazing. Yeah. yeah. I sat down with a group to play Ten Candles. This is probably almost about a year ago now. Um, and two of them were avid role players and two of the other players had never played a role playing game in their life. And we played 10 candles and they just, they were immediate naturals. And I like, by the end of it, I was like, I can't believe you've never played a role playing game before. And it turns out that they had been, uh, improv comedians for like a decade. And I was like, oh, well that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it goes hand in hand with each other. Um, and, and that's, it's, I want to do improv to better myself as a performer, um, as a podcaster, but I, I, I think it would also help for just having like, just for role-playing games or everything. I think improv can help with everything. Yeah. I think, I mean, a public speaking and everything mm-hmm. like improv is just a great way to learn to be comfortable talking in front of people yeah uh or talking at people in the case of like recording a podcast where you're not actually talking to anyone but mm. uh you, you will be heard at some point yeah yeah exactly um and you kind of went into like the differences of um at least running a game when it comes to podcasting and uh and just doing it for for personal use but i do want to like maybe even take a step back into you know obviously role-playing games play a big part of what you do and uh who you are what where is the origin point for that when did you um get into you know i, I would imagine dungeons and dragons is your entry point but but yeah. when does that become your entry point so i i i mean lucky i guess uh is a word for it if you consider <laughs> a, a very nerdy life-consuming passion uh, being dropped in your lap. Um, I was very lucky that my older brother uh, played D and D in high school. So I like some of my earliest memories are being like five, six, seven years old and sitting on the steps in our living room, watching my brother and his friends play D and D. So like D and D has been there basically as long as I have been forming memories. Mm, okay. Um. And, like, as a kid in elementary school, like, I wanted to play D&D so bad, but my brother wouldn't let me play with his group because <laughs> I was a kid in elementary school. Yeah, yeah So yeah. I, like, tried inventing role-playing games that I could play with my friends. I used, like, Marvel's X-Men cards to uh, – mm. they used to have, like, the stats of the heroes on the yeah, back. Yeah, I remember those cards. Uh, so, like, just using those in, like, a 20-sided die to do superhero battles. Um. I think I was like eight or nine when I got the red box basic D and D from KB toys, which (laughs) talk about places that have gone by the wayside. Yeah. Uh, I like got an advance on my allowance to buy the basic set of D and D from KB toys and tried running it for my friends. uh, And it was awful because I had no concept of how the rules actually worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then my, like my first real role playing game was, uh, I think I was probably 11 or 12 and a couple of my brother's friends invited me to come play in their star Wars game. Oh. Uh, so D six star Wars was like the first game I really played. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but like I've been around D and D for about 28 years now and playing avidly for like 25. 
uh, as much as I would, I want to play D and D again, simply because it's it's something that I don't think I've played enough in order to like just kind of be a role player. Um, I, I uh, and it's all campaigns fault. I want to play the Fantasy Flight uh, Star Wars games. Uh, one of them, it doesn't really matter which one. Yeah, I have. I I like them. Um, I haven't gotten to play them yet, but I do. I bought all three um at some point i still think i prefer and this is probably just me being curmudgeonly about it uh i think d6 star wars is still the best star wars role-playing game oh really aren't they i feel like fantasy flight is has either already done it or they are releasing uh that original star wars uh they did a couple months ago as the i think it was like the 25th anniversary or 30th anniversary uh re-released the first two core books um yeah i i i want to get the the uh fantasy flight games for them um i really am intrigued by their system as well that they i what is they they call it genesis is their system or whatever yeah yeah it's interesting i love the concept of it i have personal feelings because it's a system where you like in fantasy flight does this i love almost every fantasy flight game i've ever played but they are so money hungry uh um and like the Star Wars games are the perfect example where like they release these three books that all have like suggested retails of like 60 bucks. Yeah. And the books are like 75% the same content. Well, cuz now when you say these three books like you're talking Edge of the Empire or Age Rebellion and and, and the different Yeah, those three like the games themselves are the same. Okay. Uh, so a majority of the book is the same rules, just reprinted. And then like 25% is the like, here's the content that makes it Edge of the Empire as opposed to Age of Rebellion uh, or Force and Destiny. And so I'm like, you couldn't have just like released one rule set and then charged a little bit less to get the like era content. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I probably wouldn't have bought them if I didn't find them on, like I found one on eBay. I found one on Goodwill. So I think I paid like 60 bucks for all three books. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, and then they're like, Oh, by the way, you also need to buy the dice. Yeah. Yeah. You can't just use, uh, well, do they have a, I know some systems will convert it to, they have a conversion chart, uh, but the dice are so complicated that if you tried to use regular dice and the conversion chart, it would add like 10 minutes to interpreting the dice roll. (laughs) Um, And then they released Genesis and they're like, this is that basic system, but like setting neutral. And they're like, there's the same basic system, but different dice that you have to buy. Um, Cause they use different symbols because they Ah. use star Wars related symbols on the star Wars dice. So like all of the dice do the same things. But yeah. it's different symbols on the Genesis dice. Because, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was do... like, oh, come on. Yeah, well, uh, I assume you could just buy, like, piles of the, the you know, Genesis dice or whatever. Uh... Yeah, and that, any Genesis game you play, it will work. I was just yeah. like, of course they're different dice. <laughs> uh, different uh, dice to do the same thing. Uh, yeah. But I'm still probably going to buy it because, I mean, I've given Fantasy Flight so much money. Yeah, I, I there's something about that system that I I badly just want to play 
like any I guess any setting, but very specifically, I do want to play Star Wars and that's that seems just, just like a fun setting. There's I have so many like PDF files from uh the, the, of games that I want to play that I've picked up over the over the literally two years, two three years now, since twenty sixteen. Um I've I've just here and there I'll I'll drop a little bit of coin at drive through RPG uh to to pick up some things i uh the my uh god i just picked up a player's handbook for 5e because i I do want to get into 5e like i said but one of my big purchases uh and it wasn't big but one of my um happiest purchases from pax unplugged was uh picking up adventures tale i believe it's called which is a kid-friendly role-playing system uh, that uses D6 and very basic stats. Very ba- like you have to roll. If you roll one or two, you fail. If you roll three or more, you you succeed. Uh, like and and that's how it, it kind of figures everything out. It's it's meant to teach children how to role play. And um and I'm in the process of like generating a story to tell. Uh, oh, that is so awesome. Kids. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping to. I'm a one of the another reason I haven't really kicked off an actual play yet is that I haven't found a way to record it in 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 a manner that will um, I will deem acceptable for for production, meaning uh, easily having every person on mic. Now, my my portable zoom recorder will help with that, but I, I still think I need to invest in like clip on mics or something so that I don't have to force people to hold microphones. But when I sit down and do the adventure tale thing with my my son and or daughter uh and possibly my fiance she's gonna have to be like sweet talked by the kids to play because she's she's uh i don't know how much you I, I know we talked at great detail on your podcast about kevin smith um i don't know how much you know about him and his wife uh jennifer uh Schwalbach, but uh basically uh i my fiance is also named jennifer um we, we are basically like the non-famous versions of Kevin Smith and Jennifer Schwalbach because uh, she does not like anything that <laughs> I like. Yeah, I uh, I just watched some Kevin Smith thing where he talked about how like she even refuses to watch comic book men. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, very, very similar uh, mindsets when it comes. We uh, uh, Jen and I went to Kevin Smith um, at the one year around the one year anniversary of my uncle's passing. So in 2017, he came to town. Uh, that weekend uh, and did Hollywood Babylon and uh, an evening with and like f- like I bought tickets for both nights because like it was a once in a lifetime opportunity for me to go see these it, it, at least it felt like it was and it, it technically has he hasn't been back to Philly since um, and uh, I went with a buddy to go see Hollywood Babylon but Jen came with me to go see an evening with and we were literally like front and center could have reached out and touched his leg if I wanted to. That's how close we were for that. And he told a similar story where like uh, he said something about his Jennifer, like never coming to any of his movies, watching comic book men and whatnot. So after that, she looked at me, she said, I'm never going to feel bad about not listening to your crap again. (laughs) Uh, And then, and then as we were driving that night was really cool because as we were driving away, uh, something made me go around back and he was standing out back with like some fans. So like I quickly illegally parked somewhere in Philadelphia and we ran over in the rain. Um, I'm, I'm sure I've told this story, but uh, Kevin Smith is easily one of the nicest uh, famous people you'll ever meet because he made sure in the rain, he saw and took a picture with everyone that was out back waiting for him. 
uh, and and even when the his like driver was trying to rush him in the car, like he went, he turned to get in the car and realized that he maybe didn't see everybody, and he double checked and made sure that he saw everybody. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I've heard he's really a really cool dude, uh, and that's always nice to hear because you always hear celebrity horror stories too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he, he complete opposite, like of of horror story. Like, it's, I just wish that it wasn't raining, so that I had more time to like actually say something to him than like, uh, 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 can I have a picture? <laughs> I really um, like everything you do. Yeah, yeah, and I think I thanked him for what he did, and I, I wish I just had more time to like kind of. Uh, tell him what he means to me and like and, and just kind of like how like he links to me and my uncle and, and but whatever like that's hopefully I, i'm sure i'll i'm sure i'll get another opportunity to sit down and chat with him at some point in my uh podcasting career yeah he does uh he does enough stuff that it, it won't be the last time yeah exactly exactly um so uh i guess man well we we, we really kind of ran the gambit uh of uh we did all the let's get derailed at the beginning of the show yeah uh, while i feel like there's a lot more to chat about uh it is um for those listening it is 12 30 at night uh it for is. us uh and while i know you said you don't have much going on tomorrow uh, I still yeah, it have sounds to, like actually, you have uh, you have quite a bit in addition yeah. to like being a parent and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I actually uh, w- w- one of the reasons I was running late to to hop on your show is that uh, just an hour, less than an hour before we were supposed to connect, uh, we had like a conversation with my son about something um, because he was he he was embarrassed about something. Uh, so we, we we had a conversation with him, and then I had to spray paint some um, like. Uh, you know, crates that you get from, uh, from like Home Depot or from, uh, AC Moore. I had to spray paint them for uh, a holiday party that's happening on Saturday. Uh, so I have to go do a second coat on that. I have to do some stuff. I would like to go to the gym before I go to bed tonight. Uh, and yeah, yes. Spoiler alert. I still have to be a dad and go to work tomorrow. Yeah, that is uh good luck with all of that. Um, yeah, I just, sometimes I just don't sleep. Uh, and I will, I will get an hour of sleep tonight. I, I will go to Wawa. I will get a coffee. Uh, and I will be, I will be fine. I'm, I'm very jealous when, it, when we took a break between recording sessions, I scoured my house for caffeine <laughs> uh, and there was none. I, uh, I actually wanted to go to Wawa before we started recording so that I could have coffee. Cause I didn't feel like making a pot of coffee. Uh, and I, yeah, I did not have an opportunity to get a, a nice hot cop, uh, a, co- a hot cup of coffee in me before we started recording. And I, and I, I say that because, uh, I recorded my Florida room right now, uh, because I'm like remodeling my studio. Uh, well, and I use that term in a very loose sense, but I'm remodeling my studio. Uh, and, uh, so it's very cold in my Florida room right now. There's no heat out here. (laughs) Oh no, that's no good at all. Uh, but this is, uh, Hey, listen, no one said podcasting was glamorous. That's Uh, right. You You said uh, you, your studio is wherever you can set shit up and not have to take it down every day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so that's, that's what I have in the Florida room. I just don't want to break it down in, in, in a warm room at all. I'd rather sit through the cold for hours <laughs> than than break down uh, for twenty minutes and set up for twenty minutes uh, in a warm room. That is understandable. Uh, well, uh, it was awesome talking. Uh, yes, yes. I uh, love I love being able to talk about all of the things uh, yes. because I have opinions about a lot of things. 
Yes. And, and I certainly will, you know, we'll have to connect again, uh, and have you on, uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, have you, if I do anything with actual play, I'll have to have you on with that as well. Yeah, certainly let me know. And if you have any questions, uh, in the process, I mean, I'm still uh, like only a year in, but, uh, I would be happy to help out in any way I can. I'm just waiting for you to start the star Wars actual play. Uh, I mean, I'll do it. You just need to GM it. We, and then, uh, <laughs> we actually are starting a, a generic podcast stream that won't be like regularly updated. Okay. But one of the reasons is because Josh has a star Wars game. He really wants to run. Okay. Um, and I believe we do actually need players for that. <gasps> uh, if it ever happened, I will. So I, I will so do it as long as you're ready for a, uh, a, a like just a, 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 a Han Solo type Trist Valentine, uh, goofball. I, and I think that's perfect. Um, so I will definitely keep you in the loop about that because at some point we are going to, uh, we want to just have like a kind of catch all stream for like, Hey, we had this cool idea and it doesn't necessarily pertain to one of our other podcasts. So let's just have a place to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I forgot that we also had like this weird random idea for an interview style show that was also kind of scripted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was just, I was looking at the the notes on that a couple days ago and I I, want to make that one happen so bad. It, it, Uh, It is, it is something that like, uh, very early on in my everything is awesome career, I was like that idea crept into my head. I was like, "How awesome would that be?" Uh, and I, and I never took it. I never really ran with it. Uh, and it's something that I want to see happen that I would love to be part of somehow. It's just like, oh my god, so many projects going on. Yeah, I don't. If if I didn't have a million a million actual play podcast ideas uh, in the works, or not a million, but soon to be three which is way more actual play podcast than anyone needs to work on yeah yeah um I, like i love that idea so much and i was hoping that like someone that was involved in the conversation would be like i'm gonna take it and run with it I, and i might i it's something that i'm because it's obviously my brand as far as like you know sitting around and talking and interviewing and whatnot it's something that i i would seriously consider uh doing i i think if someone else can edit it it's something that i can certainly do i just i don't have time to edit it uh yeah and i think ben wallace uh to call him out offered <laughs> to edit it oh um, did he he said he said that he would consider editing it if we did it Oh yeah. See, I think I can get on board for being a personality. I, I, I have, uh, see one of my favorite things uh, to do is like, like build characters, uh, you know, and that's like the wrestler in me is like creating this gimmick. Uh, so uh, I would love to, and I see, I don't even know that necessarily the, the interviewer has to be a gimmick. See, this is a whole off, off. Uh, yeah. Off I, and that's something that we discussed. And I like the idea of it just being, like one of us and maybe there's like a goofy side story happening occasionally. Um, I, I firmly believe that it's a a great idea to uh, it just play it straight. And it's like, and there be uh, a MacGuffin, I guess that uh, is what 
allows us to communicate to these other characters that are from other uh, world. I don't know. There's the, I feel like if the flash has, has explained the multiverse for us, we can get away with, with something, some yeah. sort of breach. Yeah. I mean, it's just an artifact or something that one yeah. of us found in our backyard. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know if it needs to be explained. Like, I think there's, yeah. I think that's just a lot of talk. I think it can simply be like, Hey, uh, I'm inter- I, this is the show I'm doing. And, uh, we get great guests from all from across the multiverse. Yeah. Ed- every fictional world imaginable. We will interview people. We, I mean, we'll, we'll interview anyone. You want, you want see, Gandalf on here? We'll interview Gandalf. See, and and the reason I'm into that is because I, for episode 50 of Everything is Awesome, I did a dopey thing where I sat down in a car uh, and interviewed myself as Batman. Uh, and it was one of the funnest, dopiest things I ever did. And um, it is something that I think that's probably what triggered me saying I want to do more things like that. And at one point, I won't say... Uh, which character but uh, or what show but there was a actual play podcast that I wanted to interview uh, one of the characters on uh, for episode 75 or something and uh, there was very good reasons why we couldn't make it happen Um, uh, but but for out of respect I'm not going to call them out on it but that would have been like that was like probably the very beginning of the the genesis of my idea for the version of what we've been talking about in that google doc yeah and like i think it would be a brilliant tool even for like role players to be interviewed and to like you know any little thing you can do to start thinking like your character yeah um, yeah. i think is amazing like i know i personally like when i get really invested in a character that i'm playing like i'll start writing like journal entries from their point of view and like talk about what happened in the last session from their point of view in a journal entry to just be like, okay, like how does my character feel about this thing? Yeah. And, and I think um, like uh, a free plug for Mr. James D'Amato, I think his book, uh, the ultimate RPG backstory guide, I think is a great resource for it is so good. I just, yeah. I finally picked up a copy and I haven't, I've only read the first like 20 pages, but yeah, I- it is so good. I'm very grateful that I was given a PDF copy to review so that I have uh, something that I can print, but I, I bought his book right away as I think I pre-ordered it so that I got it, you know, on day of release. Um, So, so I have the printed copy that's, that's always in my bag. Uh, It's pretty much follows me everywhere I go. And um, I, I, uh, I'm using it for a very specific project that I need to really kind of get back on the ball with once, um, this festival's over and done with, but, uh, yeah, it's such a great resource for, uh, role players that, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, stay tuned, uh, for a, uh, future co-production of a interview podcast where we talk to your favorite role players as their characters. Yeah, it has to happen because it is, I, love the idea so much yeah um, I, I you know if i'm being honest it's something if someone else is going to edit it and all i have to do is sit down and record and then send the files off uh and then maybe get them back to post i don't even want to do that if i'm being honest i want someone else to handle everything i i just want it on on uh on, on its own little feed that i can help set up and whatnot <clears throat> you know this is all off-air conversation yeah now, now uh, that the holidays are over we'll strong arm ben into it uh yeah and then make the official announcement yeah, yeah. Uh, before I officially let you go, uh, aside from that, well, you know what? I don't know when this is airing. I don't know if this is going to air before the festival or not. So either 
you know, plug the festival so that people know what they can come see uh, you do on January 27th or what they probably maybe missed. Okay. Well, if you are listening to this before the 27th, uh, on the 27th, we will be part of uh, the Everything is Awesome Headstrong Comedy Festival. Uh, we are kicking off the day at Thirsty Dice at, is that 17th in Fairmont? Yes. 17th in Fairmont, uh, 12 noon, Refugees of Esmeralda uh, will be doing. This is actually probably going to be the, if if this airs before uh, the show, it will be the official announcement. Uh, we are playing Jeff Stormer's Mission Accomplished. Oh, that's, are you playing it in the, in like the, the Thieves Guild? Oh, we are. We are. Oh, that's exciting. Uh, I'm super excited to be playing it again. I got official permission from Jeff um, yesterday, I believe. Uh, so we will be playing Mission Accomplished uh, in the See? world of <sighs> Refugees of Esmeralda. Uh, if you if this is after the festival, then you missed it. Uh, I'm guessing that there will be a live recording of it at some point um, made available. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There, there will be. Don't worry. That will be taken care of. Perfect. Uh, so look out for that if you miss the uh, miss the festival because I have a feeling it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Oh yeah, I I love Mission Accomplished is one of my favorite games, and I'm not saying that because I'm friends with Jeff. I just I truly so enjoy good. playing that game. Yeah, I, I I'm really nervous to to uh, try to even run it, but I know that uh, Jeff spent all of 2018 uh if not most of 2017 uh playing that game as a gm so i don't dare ask him to ever run that again for my dopey podcast yeah uh but i I, certainly want him to be part of it as a player i love i got to gm it for the first time and it was so much fun um i was originally considering fiasco um because it hits the notes like i wanted it to be a somewhat funny game Mm mm-hmm um, but fiasco, uh, is so up in the air with length that like, yeah. I was like, I don't know if we can get it done in 80 minutes. We probably could, but, uh, no, yeah, I, it would I, be dicey, but mission accomplished hits those think. same comedy notes. Uh, and I know that I can get it done in an 80 minute time frame. It is mission accomplished not only is i have yet to play it i guess i did play it in like a private setting when we play tested at pax unplugged 2017 but it is such a fun um experience for a live show uh we did it for everything is awesome episode 100 uh at amalgam comics and coffee house um in december of 2017 and it was a blast uh, yeah, I'm excited and I'm trying, I'm thinking of ways already to incorporate the audience into it a little bit. So there's some audience participation, uh, but it's just built. It's such a beautifully built game for yeah. uh, people to listen to and enjoy. Yeah, um, no, it's it, it, the the audience that watched our game loved it. Um, people were laughing. It, it, it's I, I can't, I'm so jealous that I'm not going to be uh, at, at Thirsty Dice to, to either watch or, or partake in. <clears throat> well, you'll that, get to listen to it at least. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so excited that that's what you're playing. Uh, and, and that line up there at Thirsty Dice is going to go from 12 to eight. Uh, you know, Jeff um, was one of the big influences on helping 
create uh, a venue that would be made just for actual play podcasts because his kind of big wish list for a live podcast um, show was for actual plays to have 90 minutes. Uh, and I tried my best to make that happen, but um, because of miscommunication and, and whatnot, uh, I, I was forced to add an extra show to that day, uh, to that venue. Not forced, but um, I had I, I wanted to add uh, accommodate everybody and add an extra show to that venue, so I had to cut ten minutes from um, from all the shows uh, to make that happen. Um, but I still think eighty minutes is plenty of time for most of uh, you. It's yeah, I, I, yeah, it's yeah. I think that as long like going into it, it's just gonna. I, I don't. I don't think that eighty minutes is really worse than ninety minutes as far as mm-hmm. uh, an amount of time goes. It's just getting everyone to cooperate and play in that period of time. I, uh, it's a little easier what, for the one v one folks, but yeah. uh, when you well, have a whole group of players, yeah. And I'll tell you what, uh, Jeff is used to doing fifty minute shows at these live podcast festivals, um, and and that's why he said he wished he had a little bit more room to breathe with a ninety minute show. Um, and, uh, and I, I want to say really like y- you and pot of love are the newbies when it comes to live performances with your podcast. So, um, you, you guys have, I guess the, the biggest learning curve to try to figure out how to, 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 to get it done in that time frame. But I assure you the, like the other guys did it in 50 minutes or 55 minutes, maybe. Uh, so uh, I think I think eighty will be yeah eighty is more than enough. eighty is plenty. Like my like I said, my worry with fiasco is like fiasco can turn into a bit of a fiasco. Uh, yeah, as as the name implies, so it's kind of a crapshoot as to whether you get a you know sixty minute game or a three hour game. Well, um, uh, whereas mission accomplished, I know is a little bit. It's meant to be played in a shorter session. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, if, if you uh, are coming to the festival on January 27th uh, at 12 p.m. Uh, is when the festival kicks off uh, at, at three of our four venues and Thirsty Dice is one of them. And uh, I, I forget off the top of my head the other 12 o'clock shows. But quite honestly, if you're looking for actual play content, uh, uh, you're not going to be disappointed by going to uh, Thirsty Dice at 17th and Fairmont and checking out uh, the uh, Refugees of Esmeralda uh, Mission Accomplished RPG playthrough. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. Um, if you're listening to this before the 27th, uh, the only thing I will say, the only thing that I will tell you that will pull you away from Thirsty Dice or any of the other venues is come see Everything is Awesome late night. Uh, yeah, I mean, at- rock that shit. Yeah, come there to Tattooed Mom uh, from 4 to 5 p.m. Uh, we are going to have uh, such a fun show uh, planned. Uh, Mike and I are devising a game to play right now, but we have our first guest booked. This is actually technically the, the official announcement if this airs before, uh, but our comedian that we're bringing in for the show is, uh, I believe, the first ever uh, female winner of Philly's Funniest from 2017, I believe, uh, is Abby Rosenquist. Quest, I think I'm pronouncing her name wrong. Uh, probably not, or I am probably pronouncing it wrong. But it's uh, it's Abby Rosenquist. 
uh, and she uh, is going to be in town for uh, the weekend anyway. So she has uh, graciously decided, uh, donated her time to come tell some jokes during Everything is Awesome and also sit down and chat with us about comedy, uh, Philly's Funniest and all that fun stuff. So come check that out. Hey, if this is airing after the 27th, thank you for coming to the festival. And I'll tell you what, depending on when after the 27th this is, chances are we still have bit.ly slash headstrongfest open for you to donate at. Uh, our goal is $500. I'm hoping that by the 27th we have made that goal uh, and that everything else is icing on the cake. But uh, please go to bit.ly slash headstrong slash bit.ly slash headstrongfest to donate to Headstrong today. They are a local organization that offers emotional residential and financial support to families affected by cancer uh, and check out festival.awesomepodcast.com for all the other great things happening all of the festival. Uh, check out Blaine on the all ports open, uh, mm, all ports open network. Blaine, where can they find that? Uh, all ports um, on Twitter at all ports open and on Facebook at the all ports open network. Uh, and make sure you check out all their fun podcasts there. Pot of Love, Refugees of Esmeralda, PDP 10, which I was recently a guest on. Uh, 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 no Avatars Allowed. Uh, is that all of them? Is that all That's the show? all of them for now. Uh, I got him. I named them all. I named them all. All right, guys. Uh, I'm going to throw it to me in the future so that he can talk about other things to wrap this show up after an hour and a half. We'll get you out of here within an hour and 45 Thank you, Blaine, for being on the show. Uh, thank you very much for having me. You have a great night. Thank you, Mr. Blaine Martin, for that interview. That was such a fun conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed doing it. Uh, I, I apologize for it being a few months old. Uh, we're going to have Blaine on again um, because I, I don't know that we even really tapped into a lot of the conversation that I, I had kind of planned on going into. Um uh, and plus, there's just like you could always chat horror with people. You could always chat tabletop with people um, and whatnot. So uh, make sure you, uh, you know, all the links to where you can find Blaine uh, it will be in the show notes. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Esmeralda, Esmeralda Pod. Uh, and that's where he, you know, that's his that's his Twitter for both Refugees of Esmeralda and You Are Not Alone. I believe he's in like pre-production of season two of Refugees and he's in the middle of production of season one of You Are Not Alone. So check all that stuff out. All those uh, links will be in the show notes uh, and whatnot. And uh, that's all I got for you this week, guys. Thank you so much for kind of sticking by us as we play catch up. The end of 2018 was kind of a, sh uh, uh, a shit show. And the, the start of 2019, while... Uh, better uh, as far as like who life is not terrible right now it's just been um, kind of chaotic at my day gig and um, it's been like making me very tired at home baseball season started up that makes me very tired at home so finding the time to, to play catch-up has been hard uh, and whatnot so uh, but I do it when I can. Uh, a lot of great content coming at you from some from stuff that I have my hands in and whatnot. And if you want early access to that stuff, uh, patreon.com slash that nerdy kev. If you want first look at some stuff, uh, patreon.com slash that nerdy kev. If you can't support us in a monetary way, that's fine. I understand. Just please share us with a friend. 
and leave a five-star uh, rating review on iTunes. All that stuff goes a long, long way. Hey, guys, uh, I'm going to go. Thank you for uh, listening. Hope your 2019 is going well. Uh, the next episode is going to be, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, a real special one uh, for me. It's uh, the first time I sat down with my son, Trey, uh, in three years, uh, three or four years since uh, we, we, you know, to record a podcast. We haven't done it in quite some time. So he's uh, a different kid. So I'm pretty excited for that one coming up. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. We like to end everything is awesome with a call to action. Super friends, there are a lot of terrible things happening right now. It can feel like you can't do anything to help, but you can. It takes people like us to make a difference. One of the easiest and most effective ways to action is to call your representatives about issues that are important to you. When I call my reps, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There, you'll find issue summaries for issues that are important to you, contact information for your representatives, and a script to read while you're on the phone to make sure your message gets across. Calling is quick, easy, and is one of the most effective ways to have your voice heard. Thank you to all of our supporters on patreon.com slash that entertains. Without their support, we wouldn't be able to bring this episode to you. If you want to support us in a non-monetary way, word of mouth recommendations and five-star rating reviews on iTunes are the best way to spread the good word of awesome. You can find us on Facebook.com and Twitter at Real Awesome Pod or at Awesome Podcast on Instagram. And we're available on AwesomePodcast.com and ThatEntertains.com slash network. Get news about everything is awesome from our website, social media accounts, and also on my personal Twitter at ThatNerdyKev. If you're interested in ad rates, live appearances, help with your podcast, or have a question or comment, email us at Awesome at CrudeHumorStudios.com. Everything is Awesome is a production of That's Entertainment Podcast Network in association with Crude Humor Studios. Crude Humor Studios is a Philadelphia-based production company specializing in audio, video and live performances you can find more info at crewnumberstudios.com thanks for listening super friends we've been awesome that's entertainment podcast network entertainment and culture artist owned fan supported